Hello, and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. I am bringing back two popular episodes that I did as a female series with Brandon DeCruz as we hope to plan for another one or two into the future. If you have any questions that you want us to cover, let us know, and we will do that because so far we have the pre-diet and we have some misconceptions and some clarifications around what to do after the diet and to set you up for successful fat loss. We were thinking more around building, maintaining, and how to optimize your action steps, your approach for your goals of living a leaner, healthier, and stronger life. So if you have any questions, let either Brandon or I know so we can dig deep into our extensive experience with working with females, both competitors, both just people wanting to feel better in their skin, have more energy and thrive. Thank you. And if this podcast resonates with you, if you enjoy it, please share it with a friend. And if you can drop a five-star rating, it will mean the world to me. Thank you. And let's get on to the show is how to set yourself up for a successful fat loss phase. And our bodies are so much more sensitive to stress in which dieting itself is one of it. And then when you add in the added activity and then you add even more activity, you're getting even more of a systemic stress on the body. And then you add in the hormonal adaptations and our stress on the body is just there. So I guess... We're going to introduce this with why it is so important to have a phase after the fat loss phase, after the weight loss phase, because maintenance is so rare for everybody, not just females. You see people everywhere that are trying all the diets, all the fads. They lose weight, but then what? It's trying new diets again because they gained that weight back. So I'm going to let Brandon introduce this with why exactly maintenance is so rare and keeping the results is something that we hardly ever see with most people. Yeah, so I think it's especially important to cover this topic as we get into, we're going to cover uh, reverse dieting today, we're going to cover uh, body fat overshooting, we're going to cover women specific uh, fat loss patterning and things of that sort. But really, we have to realize that this is not just a women's specific issue. This is a systemic issue in our society. So if you're someone who's been involved in fitness in any capacity, you've more than likely heard the highly quoted statistic that 95% of diets fail. And if you've ever heard me on a podcast, you know, this is like a one of my biggest issues is this statistic, because it's something that's said so commonly that it's led many to believe that diets aren't effective for fat loss. Yet, if you actually look at the data, you'll see that it's not that 95% of fat loss diets fail in terms of actually causing fat loss. It's that this stat is actually referring to the fact that 95% of dieters who lose weight will regain all the weight they lost or more within three years of finishing their diet. So when it comes to the actual efficacy or the effectiveness of dieting, research shows that actually 86% of those who embark on a fat loss goal or journey will lose a significant amount of weight at some point in their lives. So diets are effective, guys. I want you to realize that don't, you know, a lot of people hear these statistics and they decide they get discouraged and they decide to not even try from the start. So they stay in the same place that they've been. 
However, the real issue that we have in our society and in this industry especially is after the diet, as the post-diet fat regain rates are incredibly high. So when we look at the statistics behind this, we see that within one year of completing a diet, roughly 50 to 70% of people will regain all the weight they lost back. At the two-year mark, that percentage increases to 85%. And at three years, that number increases to 95% of rate of weight regain, which is why many claim that 95% of diets fail. Also, if that isn't enough, it's been shown that around 33 to 66% of people who lose weight will actually regain more fat than they lose in the post-diet period, which is why so many individuals actually end up at a higher body fat percentage than they started at. And this is what's called the body fat overshoot effect. And this essentially occurs when you've lost a lot of weight, specifically lean body mass, which includes muscle tissue, which thus increases your drive to eat. So what I'm always trying to get across to my clients or anyone that I speak to about fat loss is we are not chasing scale weight. We are not looking to lose weight. We are losing, looking to lose fat tissue because your body views muscle as metabolically active tissue. So if you just chase scale weight and you're just trying to lose as many pounds on the scale as possible, you're going to lose lean body mass. You're going to lose muscle tissue. And what ends up happening is your body wants to regain that lost muscle mass which results in you experiencing an insatiable appetite and this intense hunger, which I'm sure many out there that's been through, you know, a crash diet or a harsh dieting phase can, you know, attest to experiencing that after a diet, they feel as though they can't satiate their appetite no matter how much they eat. And so what ends up happening is this heightened drive to eat has been shown to persist until you restore the lean body mass you've lost in the process of dieting. The issue is, that many end up overeating as a result of this increase in hunger. So they can't control that appetite. And so the other thing to go along with that is that we know that fat tissue is regained much quicker than muscle massage, which results in the situation we often see where so many yo-yo dieters, um, you know, they'll lose 20 pounds in this quick and drastic manner only to regain 25 or 30 or even more, which starts this vicious weight loss and weight regain cycle, which is often accompanied by cycles of binging and restricting. So really, I try to get across to people that it's not that diets are ineffective. It's that people go in with a plan. They have focus when they're dieting. They have a goal in mind. And that doesn't mean they always go about it the right way. However, what you guys have to realize is that the post-diet period, the reverse diet, that's just as important as the diet itself. And it's that lack of planning. It's a lack of preparation. It's that lack of long-term vision towards maintenance that sets people up to fail and to regain body fat and regain weight post-diet. I guess this is another point to run home about why doing diets and fat loss phases the right way is so important and having it set up for success at the start is important because I'm pretty sure you again allude to this as well and it's the way that you set up a fat loss phase and what happens before that fat loss phase is pretty much what returns once that end point is over because now we have these we don't have this end date anymore. So the hedonic drive to eat increases. And the thing is, as soon as we start to regain fat and why the body shooting over effect is so important to take note of is fat cells don't just store fat. They set, they have other toxins in there. And being a woman, you would also store your excess estrogen in there and having all these extra, like excess hormones in extra adipose tissue 
has a more systemic effect on the body overall? How does this make it even easier to lead to fat gain in all the wrong areas and making it harder to then lose it in the long run? Yeah, so I think it's really important to, just like we touched on last time, I'm all about nutritional periodization. So we're really trying to put in um, plans in place in advance to set up a client for success. So before the fat loss phase, we prime their body to be receptive to fat loss. I, I believe a healthy body is a responsive body. So prior to going into a fat loss phase, I'm making sure that their internal health, their physiological and their psychological health is in the right place. But the same thing happens prior to me starting a fat loss phase. I am always telling a client that there is going to be a reverse dieting phase or a post diet maintenance phase. There is, it's, we're going from one phase to another and it's in a cyclical fashion because anywhere worth going needs to have a vision in mind. You can't just think four or six weeks ahead and just chase this goal of, you know, I want to lose this amount of pounds. If you don't have a plan for after that, that is what sets people up for failure. That is what causes them to lose sight of the long-term goal. And that's why people don't attain sustainable fat loss. I have so many people that come to me and they say, listen, uh, you know, I want to be like so-and-so client of yours. You know, they've maintained a lean, healthy physique for a year. Well, that person didn't think about the 10 or 12-week transformation of fat loss we were doing. They did an 8 to 12-week primer. They did a 12-week, you know, fat loss phase. And then they did a 12-week reverse diet. And we are going through these different phases in a cyclical fashion where we're pulling them in and out of caloric deficits. We're feeding their body up. We're making sure that internal systems are firing, that it's not just, hey, listen, I work with a coach for six to eight weeks to get myself as shredded as possible. And then I go back to the old lifestyle I had because that is not how you sustain results. So that's a huge thing. But another thing is a lot of people don't realize that we are primed for fat regain after diet. And this is something that I've really tried to put a lot of education about because I will tell you, Ruby, I've done 15 shows in the past. I've done a hundred plus photo shoots. I've done a lot of dieting. So I am your typical you know, dieter with a long history of dieting. I mean, I had an eating disorder growing up. So I will tell you, I was a cyclical dieter in and of myself. And I've been through the body fat overshoot. I have experienced terrible post-show edema, water retention. I've been through everything that I prevent my clients from being, from going through now. However, I had to learn from mistakes. So what I try to do is I have a lot of experience. This is going on 15 years of being in this industry. And so what I try to do is put out education. And then also with my own clients, I try to apply the knowledge and experience I've gained through both looking through the research as well as working with over a thousand people at this point. And I try to help them avoid things, but I believe, and I always say this, an educated and informed client is a more consistent and adherent client because they understand the process. So really what I want to get across to your audience is that unfortunately we're primed for fat regain after a diet. This is completely normal. And most don't realize this. And so we are primed for fat regain after a diet due to a number of factors and specific metabolic adaptations that take place during the course of being in caloric deficit. So guys realize that after you finish a diet, your body is primed for fat storage due to a number of reasons. I'm going to go through them. First and foremost, your total daily energy expenditure or the total amount of calories you burn per day has substantially dropped. So you'll notice that if you used to maintain your body weight at 2000 calories per day, and you dropped yourself into a 1500 calorie uh, per day diet. So you were at a 500 calorie deficit. Soon enough, you'll notice as you lose more weight, all of a sudden a level of calories that were a deficit for you. So 1500 calories that was helping you lose weight, all of a sudden that becomes your maintenance. So realize that's because every aspect of your total daily energy expenditure is down-regulated. We see that with dieting, your resting metabolic rate 
has been suppressed. Your maintenance calorie level has significantly decreased. So if you go back to eating what you were prior to dieting, you automatically put yourself in a massive surplus, which is one mistake that a lot of people make. And that's why they experience this body fat overshoot. We also see that your hormones, including sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, have been downregulated. So your ability to not only maintain, but to build muscle is impacted and impaired. Your thyroid production and output is lower, which impacts your metabolic rate. You're more efficient at exercise, meaning guys, you could be doing these same exact workouts. You could be doing the same weight training sessions or the same cardio, but you're burning less during those sessions as a result of dieting. Your neat levels, which is your subconscious activity, so your general movement and stuff, it's substantially dropped. We actually see that neat levels can fall between 300 and 500 calories. So say, for instance, you have put yourself in a 500-calorie deficit, you could essentially erase that just from your drops in neat, which are mostly subconscious. So you're not noticing that you're fidgeting less or that you're laying on the couch more because you feel so tired and you have low energy levels. And then on the hormonal aspect from an appetite perspective, your main hunger hormone ghrelin has increased while satiety hormones like leptin and PYY have dropped. So now you're feeling less satiated with your meals and you're feeling more hungry as a result of this rise and increase in ghrelin. So those are all things that happen at the diet. But you know, people cover that in metabolic adaptation. But one thing that it really took me diving into the research and, and really combing through was that another component that many don't realize is the role that insulin sensitivity plays during the process of fat loss. So insulin sensitivities increase through dieting, but most assume that this only happens at the level of the muscle. So if we think about insulin sensitivity, it's your ability to partition nutrients. And so it does affect muscle. So you actually become more insulin sensitive. You'll see your blood glucose levels drop. Or for instance, I do a lot of blood work with my clients. So I'll see their HbA1c lower, their facet insulin lower, um, and, and all these markers that are great for metabolic health. However, this increased insulin sensitivity also happens at the level of the fat cell. So your adipose tissue becomes more insulin sensitive and receptive to nutrients. And that's something that many have overlooked. And I really try to drive home so they understand this. So essentially, when you lose fat, your fat cells shrink, which increase their insulin sensitivity. So since you've essentially depleted them of their energy stores, these fat cells or adipocytes are now primed to recover that energy and do so by increasing the uptake of fatty acids which would be the fats you take in, and glucose or the carbohydrates you take in when consumed in excess. So this is how I describe this to clients. Usually I tell them, listen, we have to have a post-diet plan because if you just eat in excess, you just go out for cheat meals and celebratory meals, realize your fat cells are your long-term energy storage. They are going to recover that energy quicker than your muscle masses. So it's going to soak that up preferentially and it's going to store that because that is your survival mechanism. So what I really, you know, sometimes it's hard for my clients to understand this. So I describe this with an analogy of, of sponges. And think of a sponge, like when you take out a sponge and you put it into a bucket of water, it gets filled up to full capacity. If you were to take that same filled sponge and there was a, um, a spill on the counter and you try to soak it up, you'd be unable to take any more water up because it's full. It's at its fullest capacity. That is a full fat cell, like before you start a fat loss phase. However, at the end of a diet, our fat cells are like a sponge that has been completely wrung out and is dry. It's like one of those hard um, sponges that you leave on top of your, your uh, kitchen countertop. And so now if you were to try to pick up that same amount of liquid on the counter, it completely sucks it up and holds onto it, which is essentially what your fat cells do with any extra calories and nutrients you've taken after a diet. So really what we want to, what I try to get across to people is 
this is not something to be scared of. I don't want you to be afraid of vacuuming because this is a part of the process. However, it is something to be very aware of. You need to be conscious and you need to be aware of the fact that you are more predisposed to gain fat during this period, which is why we, we want to go in with a plan. We want to be cautious and we want to be very methodical about how we take this rate of recovery because really the goal here should be to recover your metabolic rate and your energy expenditure and to reverse these metabolic adaptations, but to avoid unnecessary fat gain in the process. And this is especially important for women because a lot of females, A, they don't realize, they, they don't know about this body fat overshooting effect because honestly, this is something that very few people cover. And another thing is that they are more predisposed. So really when I, when I speak to my female clients, I try to get it across to them that, listen, this is something we have to be aware of. Awareness is the first key. That's first step to avoiding a problem before it happens. Your awareness of it is going to allow you to be more responsive to it. So being aware of the body fat overshooting effect is especially important for women as females tend to, A, have a more difficult time losing fat in the first place and have even more trouble specifically with their hip and thigh fat. And we know that, you know, you talk to any woman, I've worked with hundreds of women over the years, and it generally, when it comes down to the end points of a diet, it's usually the hip and thigh fat is the last to go. And the reason for that is that hip and thigh fat is the most difficult area to mobilize fat from, which is needed to be able to lose fat in this region. And this is mostly because blood flow in and out of this area is fairly low, which is why this area is often cold to the touch. Like if you females out there, if you touch like your hip and thighs, you'll notice it's generally colder fat tissue than would be in other areas. So that's why we'll see, and it's funny because men and women have completely different fat patternings due to their hormonal levels. So if we look at like a female, and I've had this comparison, I've dieted, um, it's funny, I, I've done a lot of couples dieting, meaning I've dieted um, couples that both get onto stage together or they're just general lifestyle clients, but they're uh, a husband and wife or a boyfriend and girlfriend, or, um, you know, I just had uh, two of my clients get engaged recently. And so they'll diet together and they're always complaining about the, what the other person has. And it's always that grass is greener scenario. So I'll have a guy that, you know, we're eight out of 12 weeks into a diet. And he's like, listen, why is, you know, my girl's abs coming in better than mine? Like she's ripped in the stomach, but then she's complaining how he's, you know, his, his, glutes are coming in, his quads are completely feathered. And so it's always, we want the opposite, but that's really because first and foremost, we have different hormones and our fat storage patternings are different. And this is the area that females struggle with most as their physiology was set up to store energy here in case they get pregnant. So we have to realize that this is an evolutionary mechanism. And also, if you really look into the physiology before, behind fat storage, females also have a higher likelihood of restoring fat that they've liberated and mobilized, but haven't oxidized. So that's called re-esterification. So with that, there's even research that shows that a female can mobilize fat from her upper body and actually store it in her lower body. And this, like I, I mentioned before, this is an evolutionary mechanism meant for survival and procreation, but it makes fat loss more difficult and also predisposes them to store fat here, especially if they reintroduce food too quickly after your diet. So this is really where a, first and foremost, we're all predisposed to this body fat overshooting effect, but women are even more so. And, and unfortunately, they're at a little bit you know, more of a predisposition towards fat storage, which is why we see so many women go through this yo-yo dieting pattern where every diet, it seems like every year they're becoming less muscular, they're having to diet on less calories, and they're gaining more body fat and they're having less effective fat loss phases. And so this whole awareness piece is really getting it 
across to you guys, you have to have a plan in place, please. Like if that's the one thing you get from this, realize that having a plan in place is going to help you avoid so many of the unnecessary issues and drawbacks of dieting and of that post diet period. It's extremely important to realize that health is always a dominant factor in any of these phases, because if you have an imbalance of your estrogen and progesterone, you're going to be more likely to have this fat storage around your hips, around your thighs. And as Brandon said, it is the hardest to liberate, to oxidize. So the more that you, every single time you lose weight and gain it back, you're not gaining the weight in the same areas you lost it from. It actually gets shifted to other areas, which is primarily your hip and thigh fat. So you might lose fat from other areas of the body, but then when you regain it, it's more predisposed to get like set in the areas you really don't want it. Now, who exactly would you put through a reverse diet? And I guess, how do you take women through reverse diets to make sure that they don't become one of those people that just regain all the weight back plus more? No, absolutely. So first let's cover what a reverse diet is for anyone out there that isn't aware. So essentially a reverse diet is a strategic and controlled method of increasing your daily calorie intake with the goal of reestablishing your maintenance calorie intake after your diet. Because like I alluded to earlier, guys, what you ate for maintenance, what you maintained your weight on previous to the fat loss phase is no longer your maintenance intake. So what we need to do is reestablish your new maintenance intake at this new lowered body fat and body weight level, and then slowly walk your food intake up while trying to mitigate fat regain in this period. So the benefit of doing this is that when done correctly, it helps to increase your total daily energy expenditure, the amount of calories you burn per day. It reverses many of the metabolic, the hormonal, and the mitochondrial efficient efficiency adaptations sustained from being in a calorie deficit. It also helps to increase your training performance, which is one thing I really see downregulated with women. You know, girls out there, you have to realize that muscle is metabolically active tissue. You cannot lose that during a diet. And really, how you maintain that is through effective training, through hard, intense training. And so what we want to do in this post-diet phase is make sure that we recover your training performance. And with that, this increase in food is also going to help improve your energy. And it's going to, it's all, you're going to do all these things while helping you to increase the amount of calories you can eat and stay lean while consuming. So really my intention, whenever bringing a woman through this phase, is to put them in a more optimal state for their next phase. So they can not only avoid the dreaded post-fat loss um, weight rebound, but it can also potentiate their future physique, their performance, and their health goals. So really, I'm always thinking about potentiating the next phase. So that's really what I try to get across to you with my females as well as my male clients. I'm always saying, listen, what we're working towards now in the moment is not only helping you today, but it's helping you six months, 12 months from now. It's always with a future-focused vision. So when it comes to a reverse diet, um, it can be used with a multitude of individuals and for a variety of reasons, but I find it to be most beneficial in a few cases because there are a lot of practitioners out there that they have this blanketed approach. It's very generic and they put everyone on a reverse diet. It's, it's funny. I, I heard a uh, popular coach recently said that 95% of people that come to him, he puts in a reverse diet. And to me, that was way too much of a blanketed approach. You know, for 95% of people, it's like, listen, there are specific cases. And my biggest thing is that, you know, my, one of my biggest principles with coaching is context. It's about the context of the individual. It's about treating the person as an N equals one. So really when I look at 
someone that comes to me, I'm looking at different categories and I'm saying, does this person, um, a, you know, can they be grouped in that category? And is this the right application or is this the right phase for them to go into? So the first one would be a female who has gotten lean, but is on a calorie intake, which is unsustainably low. And so what happens is with this situation is this allows for less room for error calorie wise, as these females have a lower total daily energy expenditure due to the metabolic adaptations we spoke about before. So what ends up happening is if they slip off their diet, it can easily put them in a surplus and it could get them to regain fat very quickly, especially if we don't go through a period of working their calories back up. So what I do with these specific clients is I put them into a reverse diet phase to build up their maintenance calorie intake so that we can increase their total daily energy expenditure and thus have them have a greater calorie buffer. So really what I'm trying to do with this specific case is, listen, you got lean, but you're at a calorie intake that you cannot sustain long-term. It's going to leave you predisposed to binging, or it's going to leave you predisposed to having a lower quality of life. You're going to be in a restricted mindset and a restricted lifestyle. So let's build up, let's build an abundance model where I'm able to get you on the most amount of calories that you can maintain your, your uh, current level of body weight and body composition on. So that's the first case. The second is contest prep competitors who have gotten stage lean. And so I really want to get this across, especially to females, because I have so many female competitors come to me. And it is not remotely healthy for a female to remain at the level that they would need to be on stage. And really, ladies, I love working with you. I love getting you on stage. I love the process of it. But please realize when you see your favorite IG influencer or your favorite competitor, what they look like, and believe me, I've worked in this industry. I work in the supplement industry as well. So I've sponsored many female bikini pros. I know women at the bikini uh, Olympia level personally. And Either A, they don't look the way that you think they do year round, or B, they have a lot of hormonal and metabolic issues as a result of the lifestyle they live. So realize that it isn't everything, nothing is what meets the eye. You know what I mean? So when I have a contest prep competitor come to me, a female, um, what I try to get across to them is, although you love this look, this isn't a healthy, sustainable look. So what I do here is, first and foremost, I'm always getting their blood work. That's the first thing I want with a female competitor that's at a low level of body fat. But what I use a reverse diet to do is to mitigate a lot of the negative biofeedback markers and hormonal issues that have come as a result of getting down to those essential levels of body fat. And ladies, what you have to realize is that females generally have between 10 and 12% uh, body fat that's just essential, meaning needed for life, whereas men have 3%. So there's a lot of a, there's a big difference in terms of what a male and what a female can get away with living at. So you might see a guy that's at 10% body fat. He's got abs in year round, but he's 7% above his essential body fat levels. Whereas that would be you at 19%. So for any females that compete and that are between 12 and 15% and want to live like that year round, please realize that you are compromising yourself long-term and you're going to go through processes like, um, energy availability issues, you're going to potentially lower bone mineral density, you're going to have the, the cessation of your menstrual cycle. And as soon as you lose your menstrual cycle, it's a sign that you are downregulating your reproductive hormones because your body's essentially triaging. And it's, it's saying, listen, I don't have enough energy for reproduction. And I'm just going to put it towards exercise and things that are more um, vital for my survival at this moment. So all that activity that you're doing and the low calories that you're living on. So the last one, and this is the one that I see that's most prominent, is the chronic dieter. So when I have a female who has either a chronic dieting history or has been in a fat loss phase for a significant period of time and has gotten to the point where their calories are super low, but fat loss has stalled, 
um, I generally have a conversation with them and I let them know I'm very honest and I try to get this across to them. Listen, you're at this level right now and you still want to lose more body fat. However, the approach you need to take to lose that body fat would be both unsustainable and extreme. So this isn't worth it. Let's restart this process. Let's reset the process. And so this is the case that I would use a reverse diet as a way to reset this female's response to dieting. And what I really try to get across, and I hope that everyone out there really hears this out, is at one point, you can't just eat less and exercise more, which is what a lot of women don't understand. So my goal and focus then becomes pushing their maintenance calories up over time and limiting body fat regain, but also focusing on other things. So what I'm focusing on is their relationship with food. I'm focusing on them training for adaptations to build muscle rather than chase calories, because that's what I really find a lot of these women, um, they become cardio bunnies where they're just trying to get as many calories burned per day as possible to get themselves into a deeper, deeper deficit, but they're losing muscle mass in the process. They're losing metabolic rate and they're feeling like shit the rest of the day. So they're laying around and their their needs really low. So they're living this subpar life and they're not seeing results as a, as a result. So what I'm really trying to do with this specific case, especially with chronic dieters is improve their relationship with food, get them out of this dieting hamster wheel and get them in a better position to lose body fat, more body fat in the future. How do you then transgress them from such a state of low in all areas to a state of thriving and making their body a lot more responsive to any future fat loss phase that we obviously want to go into to then reveal our body unless we then look at maintenance, but that's a different story. Yeah. So there's many reverse dieting considerations that we need to take into account. So Really, I'm always trying to look at things from from different sides of the coin. And I have both objective and subjective markers that I'm looking at prior to starting a reverse dieting phase with a client. And the reason for this is because I find that some of the biggest mistakes in coaching are these cookie cutter generalized approach. So really, the reason why there is some, um, I don't want to say controversy, but there's some doubt about the efficacy or the effectiveness of reverse dieting is that. When reverse dieting first came out, guys, you have to realize that reverse dieting is one of the only, uh, I want to say one of the only approaches that has come from the bodybuilding realm that has really transferred over into the uh, lifestyle and gen pop clients and really taken hold. I, I find it more prominent within lifestyle clients now than I do with contest prep competitors. But I'll tell you from my own experience, when I first got into competing and when I first started prepping people, reverse dieting was a bodybuilding type of thing. We only did it with competitors who had gotten to those very lean states, but it was done incorrectly. And I'll tell you from my own experience, 10 years ago, when I did my first reverse diet, it wasn't what it is now. So we used to use these very small titrations and everyone used the same generic prescription. It was, you, you raise calories, 50, uh, 50 calories per week, or you do it in small incremental bumps. So we would see like, you would increase carbs by 10 per week or fat by five grams per week. And it was very small bumps. And Despite the fact that this kept someone lean, it also kept them in a deficit. And that is not the intention of a reverse diet. A reverse diet is to get you back to your new maintenance to reverse the metabolic adaptations. And that can only happen at a state of energy balance. So that's why I'm going to go through some of the considerations I make, but they're very specific to the clientele that's sitting in front of me. And so I need all this information because without that, I cannot formulate a, you know, a very specific and customized plan for the individual. So the first thing that I'm looking at from the objective side is the length of their previous diet. So I want to know how many weeks or months, or honestly, with some women, it's even years, had they been into deficit for it. And I really make that defined with women. And so it's not 
how long have you been losing fat for? That's not what I ask. I ask, how long have you been dieting for? Because we know that there are a lot of women that do that 5-2 diet where it's during the week that they're under eating and they're overeating on the weekends. And sometimes because they're not seeing results, they, they don't say that they're dieting because they're embarrassed of the fact that they haven't been losing fat. However, what we have to get across to people is if you are restricted either mentally or physically, it's the same thing. If you're restricting yourself Monday through Friday and then binge eating because you cannot sustain that lifestyle that you're, you're living Monday through Friday, you are essentially dieting, but you're not getting any of the physiological benefits. You're getting none of the fat loss benefits, but you're getting all the ramifications and side effects of metabolic adaptation. So that's a case that I still have to reverse diet you for. So if you, you know, for instance, if you went 12 weeks of a sustained, you know, deficit and you lost fat during that period, and then for 12 weeks after that, you went through these binge restrict cycles as your post-dieting phase, you dieted essentially for 24 weeks. So we really have to look at the extent at which you've been dieting for and in which you've been restricted. Then I also look at the aggressiveness and the depth of the deficit. Um, I want to look at how lean they got and how far away from their set point they got. And this is something that's very specific towards women because what a lot of people don't take into consideration is that one female, say 20% body fat could be the equivalent of another's 15% based on how far away from her set point the first female had to go to get to 20%. This is something I don't hear a lot of people talk on. And what we have to realize is that there are different, what are called metabolic phenotypes. We have thrifty metabolisms and we have spendthrift metabolisms. So we have people that are more diet resistant and those are more diet responsive for lack of a better term. So essentially some people at 20% have had to really suffer. So say that you started at 40% body fat and you got down to 20% body fat and you had to be on six to 800 calories per day and really do excess amount of cardio. That could be the same type of, um, you know, level of quote unquote leanness that someone that started at 25% body fat and got down to 15% body fat could have went through the same type of aggressive protocol, despite the fact that you guys are 5% body fat different. So really what I want to know is how long have you traveled? How far, how much progress have you made? And what have you had to do to get there? Because if someone has had to essentially trash themselves to get to 20% body fat, I can't just go off of, Hey, they're at 20% body fat. I'm going to reverse them like this. They're, they're not quote unquote, that lean. No, they're super lean for their set point. So we really have to take that into consideration. Another thing that I look at is hormonal status post-diet. So I'll generally want women to run blood work because often what I see is I'm seeing down-regulated thyroid panels. I'm seeing you know low progesterone. I'm seeing low estrogen. I'm even seeing low testosterone. And so I really want to see you know, where these hormones are at, because it's also uh, an ability to have an objective metric. So through the reverse diet, I'm going to have them get blood work at the end of it. And I want to see the improvements in an objective fashion. It's not enough to just say, listen, you know, you stayed lean and you built up your calories. I also want to have some objective markers and say, look at this improvement. We were able to get these hormone levels back up into your baseline level. Um, Another thing is I'm looking at their stress levels. And that's a big thing because calorie increasers, remember, as we make calorie increases, we have to be in a state where your body's partitioning nutrients adequately and correctly. However, if you're super stressed out and have high cortisol, you could be in a state where you have you know, stress-induced insulin resistance. So now you're not partitioning nutrients into muscle tissue and you're more preferentially storing them in fat tissue. So now you're more predisposed to that body fat regain. So I would have to take a slower rate of gain with you. Um, another thing is nutritional status, which revolves heavily around micronutrient availability. So what I find is that most dieters, especially females, are both in a calorie deficit and also a micronutrient deficit. So a lot of times it 
happens, you know, more times than not that I'll have a female come to me and they'll have downregulated thyroid panels. So their T3 is very low. The reverse T3 is high. It's an indication that they have high stress levels, but also then I'm looking at their chronometer report. So I'm, I'm taking their, their diet input and I'm running it through my own system. And I'm looking at, and I'm seeing low iodine, low selenium, low uh, uh, tyrosine, all these necessary cofactors. So they're not having the necessary conversion of T4 to T3. So not only are they in a calorie deficit where they have low energy and they're at a predisposition for hormonal adaptations, but they've also put themselves in a position where they don't even have the necessary nutrients that if they did have the calories in place to have those hormones in a good place. So we have to rectify that with increasing their, not only their energy availability from a calorie perspective, but also from a micronutrient and nutrient availability perspective. And then other things I'm looking at are their health markers. I'm looking at their appetite, where are their hunger levels at? Um, I'm looking at sleep quality. These are all things that I need to take into consideration. I need to know before starting their reverse diet. And then from the subjective side, I'm also looking at this person's personality. I really need to know the client and what they're looking to get out of this. So I want to know what the client's goals long-term are. Is this person someone that their goal long-term is to be much leaner than they are now? Okay. I have to take that in consideration. Is this someone that's trying to live life at maintenance? All right. We would take a different approach. Or is this person looking to build going forward? Do you have the mindset where, Hey, listen, I don't want to just continue being a smaller version of myself. Some of my females are really ambitious and they want to gain a good amount of muscle mass. I've, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I've influenced them and the fact that I've taught them that muscle is metabolic currency and that the more muscle you have, A, the more carbohydrates you can handle because muscle is like a glucose sink. And then also you're going to have better metabolic rate. You're going to have better bone mineral density. It's going to help with resilience and survivability later in life. And these women want to be strong. Like I have certain females that I coach both their husband and them, and they're as strong pound for pound as their husband is. And it's a competition in that household. And that's something I'm extremely proud of. So goals are huge. I really want to know. We always have to have a vision in mind that we're working towards. And that's huge with me. And that's why I always plan things in phases. It's not enough to just be working towards something in the moment. You have to know what are we working towards long-term? What is the phasic structure? What is this all for? And another thing is, where is this client's mindset at, at as we approach this phase? So sometimes I have people come to me and they're in a really negative mindset. They've had a harsh dieting phase. They've really suffered throughout the process. And fitness isn't what it used to be to them. So they don't value it as much or it isn't holding the same place in their life. So we need to work on their relationship with fitness, with their training. We have to make them fall back in love with the process. Um, I also have to look at where a client's food focus is, is at. Also, what is their relationship with food like both currently and in the past? I've had a lot of people, because I had an eating disorder, come to me having had eating disordered issues in the past or just um, you know binge eating um related behaviors, not disorder, because that's a completely different pathology that I would uh, refer out, but people that have this binge restrict cycle where they might binge on occasion. So this is something that I really have to understand and I have to know. And as a coach, I want to make sure to understand my client's goals long-term as it helps me to create a plan of action fit for that specific person as literally every single reverse diet plan I put, in, I put together is different. And it's based on that individual. So I have to know hey, where's this person at where we're starting and where are we looking to get to? So those are all, the, you know, all these things I'm taking into consideration. And it's really important that it's not just this one size fits all because what works for one person will not work for another. And that's one of the biggest fallacies of this industry is that we have, unfortunately, so many coaches that take this cookie cutter approach and it's the generic blanketed approach where it's, you know, I'm going to make this calorie increase. It's going to be hundred calories per week or it's going to be this. And I do this with all my females or I do this with all my clients. And that's where 
Some of your genetically responsive individuals will get a benefit from that, but not all. It's really important to tie that also into what you mentioned about us having heightened senses to eat more and a drive to eat more with the psychological factors, because if we haven't addressed those mindset concerns and this will feed into the benefits we as females can get, women are more likely to be comfort eaters. So it's really important to have all of that in mind when coming out of a diet and seeing where your mindset is at, because we are going to have mental fatigue in the diet. And so important to shift focus into that because you need to take that long-term approach and you don't just want to be like, okay, I want to actually get leaner and put yourself straight back into a diet again. And then you'll end up looking worse, even though you're smaller. So you need to see the phases for long enough and go through the phasic approach as Brandon said, but with these lifestyle and metabolic and hormonal implications, what are the benefits that we can actually get from going through this reverse diet? So I put together a list of some of the things I've seen and it's not only from, you know, I could tell you what the, the research shows in terms of increasing calories, but there is no research studies on, on reverse dieting specifically. And I hope that over the years that we do get some case studies and we get some um, actual randomized control trials on reverse dieting. But I'm going to tell you from my own experience that when women reverse diet correctly and we finally start feeding them up and nourishing their bodies, that's the biggest thing I want to get across here, women. Like, don't be scared of nourishing your body. It's huge. So many times I have females come to me and they've been over-restricting themselves and they've been under-nourishing their body. So they don't have, it's not only that they don't have the body composition they want, but they don't have the lifestyle that they want because they are in a state of restriction, both mentally and physically. So really what I try to work on with my females is getting into a mindset of abundance. I want you eating more. I want you moving more. I want you feeling better and functioning better and looking better. This is transformative. And like I mentioned on the previous episode, it's not just about physique transformations for me. It's about lifestyle transformations. But what I've seen is that their stress response lowers, their cortisol levels decrease. And this is something I've seen on blood work. Their sleep quality improves. Their thyroid production improves, which helps to increase their metabolic rate. Their energy levels increase, which allows for greater training intensity and higher baseline levels of movement. Um, so we see that their NEAT levels come up. And I'll often see female step counts start to rise just naturally because they have more energy in the system. And that's a big thing that I'm about of, of this energy flux model where I'm putting more energy in it and we're getting more out. So they're burning more as a result because they're not downregulated. Uh, they feel better and they perform better. They also take on this mindset where they're fueling themselves. Instead of looking at food in this mis- um, misconstrued viewpoint where they're looking at food as something that they have to avoid, they realize that food is helping them. It's making them stronger. It's making them perform better. It's making them feel better. They no longer go in the gym feeling like lightheaded and like they're going to pass out. They feel strong and ready to take on their next working set. And that's a beautiful thing when we can shift that mindset. Um, I notice that they're dealing with less hunger and they feel more satiated. And also this is massive. Uh, I find that my women when I reverse diet them and they go through the process, they really follow it to T, they are able to stay more consistent and adhere to the diet. So we see less slip-ups and especially less binge patterns. So this improves the relationship with food because they're no longer on this black and white dichotomous on diet, off diet plan, where they're going from this state of over-restriction to binge eating and then shame as a result. And here's the thing, you know, I've often had females who have come to me having just finished a diet at 1200 calories. And then I'm able to get them to the point where they're maintaining their fat loss results between 1600 and 1700 calories as a reverse dieting approach we've taken has allowed for their metabolic rate 
and their total daily energy to adapt upwards and we're able to leverage the benefits of higher thermic effective feeding through higher protein intake and higher food and also higher NEAT, which allows me to transition them into what I call a high energy flux model, which is where I had them eat more and move more to sustain a better body comp year round. So really what I'm getting out of this, ladies, is I'm able to keep a lot of my females at the same level of body fat, but I've built more muscle on them. I've put more energy into their system. I fed them more. They're feeling better. They're more active. They're training harder as a result, and they're feeling better. And so it's, they're living a, a much better life at a much higher calorie intake. And then when they go on a vacation or a holiday comes up, I'll, I'll tell you a specific instance. I had a female client, Megan, and when she first came to me at the beginning of the year, we've been working together just a year coming up on, on uh, the 1st of January. When she first came to me, she was on 15 grams of net carbs. She was running a ketogenic diet, but I wouldn't even call it a ketogenic diet because she just had high protein. It was pretty much a protein sparing modified fast diet labeled as a ketogenic diet because she had one serving of fats per day. And so she had 15 grams of net carbs, pretty much no fat and high protein. And she was not where she wanted to be. She had been dieting for a very long period of time. She was doing close to two hours of cardio per day. And she was on about 1100 calories. And so I told her, I said, listen, this is going to be scary for you, but I need to build up your intake. We need to go through a priming phase. We need to go through a reverse diet because I cannot put you into, I cannot continue fat loss. And she wanted to lose another few pounds. And I said, listen, I cannot, there's no more to pull from. All you have is protein. And first of all, and second of all, you're scared of carbohydrates. And so I need to, you know, uh, fuel the glycolytic demand of your training. So I got her out of that mindset. We really worked on food. We primed her. She ended up losing weight throughout the process of a primer phase, despite working her calories up, but it was because she was living a, a, a more abundant lifestyle. And now a year later, this, this uh, female client of mine lives leaner than she did coming to me. And she eats 300 plus grams of carbs a day. You know, she, she trains much harder. Her body composition has improved. She's put on muscle mass and she's now eating eight to 900 calories per day more and maintaining a lower body fat or lower body weight and lower body fat than she did a year ago on much less calories. So really what I try to get across to females is it's not about just continuing to eat less, eat less, eat less, and exercise more. Sometimes you have to put yourself in a capacity where you're pulling back on certain things that aren't truly benefiting you and give a different thing a chance. So it's sometimes, you know, if you continue doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to continue getting the same result. And often for females, it's they're getting smaller, yet their, their body composition isn't improving, which is where having a reverse diet that's done properly, really fuel yourself adequately, focusing on increasing or maintaining muscle and, and making sure that you're not dieting more time than you're living in a, in a, at least at energy balance or at maintenance calories. Because what I see with a lot of females is that they spend the majority of their year in a deficit and every year they're just losing muscle. They're losing bone, bone mineral density. And that's stuff you're not going to get back, especially as you get later on in life. So what we really want to do is prioritize building muscle, focusing on body composition rather than weight loss and focusing on limiting body fat regain, but increasing muscle mass rather than just focusing on that scale weight. You need to zoom out and stop focusing so much on the number that's on the scale because doing that is what is holding you back because muscle also weighs something but it is metabolic currency and if you don't see it from this phasic approach you're never going to get to that end result that you want to get to and females are notorious for this notorious like all we want to do is lose that weight and it's like yeah but I don't want to eat more because I still have fat to lose 
yeah, but you're not in a position to do that. And if we keep pushing down that route, you're going to end up in a worse place than we started. And if anything, you're going to be even more anabolic to fat regain. And that's something I made a mistake on knowing my cycling of my own competitions is I thought, yeah, I'm going to be more anabolic to muscle, but no, you're more anabolic to both. So I guess you can kind of sum it up with some quick tips for succeeding in this after diet phase. Absolutely. So the first thing I always try to drive home to everyone I speak to about dieting is to plan ahead. And what I mean by that is you should know that you're going to reverse diet or have some type of basic uh, strategic approach after the diet, a diet after the diet, before you even start the diet itself. So you want to be prepared well in advance. So just like I spoke about last week, the, uh, you know, the phase before the diet, this is the diet after the diet. So we have a diet before the diet and a diet after the diet. And the reason for that is you need to plan ahead and be prepared for these different phases that you're going to transition in and out of so that you stay focused and that you also have a goal in mind. It keeps you, you know, very goal oriented and focused on the process. Another huge thing is find someone who can keep you accountable. There is so much power and accountability, especially during reverse dieting, because navigating the post-diet period can be overwhelming. So having someone in your corner can be extremely helpful. We actually see in research that coaching is much more effective than a clinician and having someone there that can walk you through the process that has experience, that has done it themselves or has worked with hundreds of clients is going to be able to be someone that's an objective viewpoint. So it's very hard as you see scale weight increase. A lot of times I'll have females come to me and it's their first reverse diet and they're saying, hey coach, I don't know why the scale went up, you know, two pounds. And I'm like, well, listen, it's, it's the last week of the luteal phase, you know, your water shifting. You know, um, this is supposed to happen first and foremost. You have more gut content. We increase your carbohydrates. You have more water as a result of storing glycogen. There's all these reasons. So really having someone in your corner that can not only help walk you through the process in a strategic and, and gradual manner, but can also help you stay, you know, steer, you know, stay the course essentially. Another thing is you want to maintain a lot of the positive eating and training habits you implement and develop during the diet itself. And this is a huge mistake that I see. And that's why I really point on the fact that the worst thing that you could do is not realize that there is metabolic suppression. The reason I talk about metabolic adaptation so much is because one of the reasons that so many people do go through this body fat overshooting effect and they regain so much fat, especially immediately post-diet, is because they believe that they can go back to the exact same lifestyle that they lived before the diet. And unfortunately, what I want you guys to get across to you is that fitness is a lifestyle. If you go back to living and eating and functioning the same way you did pre previous to a diet, you will not retain those results. And it's not that you have to stay in this dieted down state. That's not realistic either. It's not that you have to live in a restricted state of energy deficit for the rest of your life. However, positive habits like eating whole foods, eating higher protein, maintaining training intensity, you know, going, you know, getting your steps in per day, those are positive habits that you've developed and you should transition into your reverse diet because those were the keys to success in fat loss and they will be the keys to success in weight loss and maintenance. Another thing is track all variables possible. I'm talking scale weight. That's going to help keep you accountable. Track your food still, track your portions. These are things that served you well during the diet. Transition them over into the, the uh, reverse dieting phase. Stay objective about your rate of, of gain and progress. So realize that there are many metrics of progress and the scale is not the end all be all. 
I use the scale as an accountability tool, but the scale isn't something that you live or die by. So I want to really get this across, especially to my ladies, that that's not the only metric of progress. Let's look at your, your, your progress photos. Let's look at your training performance. Let's look at your improvements on your lifts. There are so many other things to shift your focus on. And a big thing that I found to be really successful during a reverse diet is to focus less on weight and to focus more on training performance and really try to, you know, it's really cool not only to see how your body looks, but it's really cool when I can get females in the mindset of, let's see what your body can do. Let's see how you can perform. Let's take an athlete's mindset. Sometimes I'll ask, you know, my female clients, what sports did you like growing up? And they were a field hockey player or they played softball or, or whatever sport that they liked, volleyball. And they were competitive. And it's like, listen, chase that in the logbook transition that it's been years since you've been competitive with yourself or find a training partner and really get after it. Another thing is to pay attention to your biofeedback. We're talking your energy levels, your digestion, um, how you feel in the gym, your sleep quality. All these things are so important to pay attention to because that's what's going to help your coach make the necessary and proper adjustments throughout your phase. This is not just a generic thing like, hey, let's raise calories, you know, 50 calories per week. It has to be very specific and you have to pay attention to your biofeedback. Another thing is to focus on the big rocks of training and nutrition instead of getting paralyzed and stressed by the minutia. And I really feel like that's something that we have to reiterate because a lot of people get caught up so much on these little things on the, on the pebbles rather on the, than on the big rocks. Um, Another thing I like to remind people is to focus on the future. This is setting you up for a more productive fat loss phase in the future. And so that's so big. You know, for a lot of my men, my reverse diet, you know, our intention with them is to just get them back in a good place hormonally so we can build muscle. But with so many of my females, I'm doing this because they have essentially put themselves a couple steps back with their dieting approaches of the past or with the relationship with their, with their food and stuff. So really we're working on this to put you steps forward in the future. And this is going to make your, your next fat loss phase more effective. And what I really, you know, sometimes it scares women to my female clients when I say this, but I literally tell all my females, I want to get you to the point that you're eating as much food as possible, which scares them to, to death initially, but they like it after. So I tell them, listen, my goal is to get you on as many calories as possible that you can maintain your body composition at. So your level of current body, body fat, I want you to be able to maintain it and live a life of abundance. And the reason for that is the females I've been able to do that with, when they go on holiday, they're not worried about having a free meal because they have this metabolic capacity now. They have, you know, it's, it's so funny, uh, the female client that I was speaking about, Megan, previously, she's amazed that she can now have, you know, it was just a holiday. She had two or three holiday meals in one week and her weight didn't budge. And she said, listen, six months ago, I could have never done that. I would have been A, terrified. I wouldn't have been able to enjoy myself and B, you know, I would have never been able to do that without seeing my weight fluctuate or being scared of it. And this week I was able to do that. And it was like, it didn't even touch me. And that's because we've created a calorie buffer in her body where her body's more resilient to extra calories because it's used to getting those calories on a consistent basis. Realize your metabolism is a result of all the inputs and outputs that you, that you subjected to all the variables and the factors that you, you know, express into it. So if you're someone that's over restricting constantly, when your body gets a high calorie meal, it's going to, it's going to hoard it. It's going to, it's going to be like a miser with energy. It's going to try to store it because it thinks it's never getting it again. But when you send your body a consistent signal that you're getting well-fed on a consistent basis, it's going to say, listen, I don't need to store these extra calories. I could burn them up because I'm constantly being well-fueled and well-fed. So that's a huge thing. And the last thing is ladies stay, you know, stay adherent and stay consistent. Those are the biggest things with this and realize that the extra food is going to allow you to have 
increased flexibility, better micronutrient status, better energy availability. You're gonna have all these benefits and don't be scared to continue eating. So that's the biggest thing. When I say stay consistent, it's not just about hitting your macros. That's not the biggest thing. It's that don't underfuel some days and overfuel other days. Let's just maintain consistency. And I know that's really hard for women to get across. You know, sometimes I'll bump up their calories four or 500 as compared to what they were used to. And initially it's scary. But often we have to do something that we haven't done previously to get a result that we haven't gotten yet. So don't be scared of this. If you're working with a professional, this is something that's going to benefit you long term. And you're going to, once you embrace the process, you stay consistent and you remain um, adherent, you're going to see so many benefits from this. Just to sum that up, that's why you shouldn't think about the phrase, if you can't see yourself doing it in a year, don't do it because you're not maintaining that same level of restriction. You're moving into a life of abundance now where you do have those buffers and you won't be saying, I just look at bread and get fat. And keeping that consistency is probably the most important thing you can take into any phase that you go through because if you don't create a stable base and you're up like this all the time, where the hell are we going to go from? Where the hell are we going to build a body from? Fat predisposition, we're, we're predisposed all to gaining fat post-diet, but this is something that despite being predisposed to, it isn't out of your control. You can make the decisions, you can have a plan in place, and by following a well-executed reverse diet, you can avoid the dreaded post-fat gain phase that happens so predominantly after a dieting phase ends. And this is something, if you guys just educate yourself and take the right approach or work with a professional, whether it be myself or, or Ruby or, or someone that's well experienced with this, this is going to be something that is going to shift your mindset on dieting and allow you to get yourself out of this chronic state of restriction and realize, listen, now I can diet 12 weeks a year and then spend the rest of my year building up my metabolic rate and living a life of abundance, yet staying leaner than I would have, you know, having, you know, spent the last year dieting.